This morning marks the second Sunday in the season of Advent. In the Christian tradition, Advent is the beginning of the church year, recognizing the transforming power of God in the world. Looking forward to the birth of Jesus and celebrating spiritual light in all its many forms. You know that many traditions have their own festivals of light in these darkening months as the days get ever shorter. And each week till Christmas, we light a new candle on our Advent wreath and lift up another aspect of the light in life, which we are called to celebrate and affirm. The circle of greenery reminds us of the eternal circle of all life without beginning or end. And the candles remind us that we are each called to emit our own little glow amid the pain and suffering that faces our world. The light of Advent grows brighter and brighter, guiding us each towards personal peace, shared joy, and more love. So this morning, we light the second candle in our Advent wreath. We light this candle as a symbol of our longing for peace and justice. We bring our hope into the world when we practice everyday peacemaking and when we lend our efforts to work towards a more just world. Our caring community aspires to be a place of freedom, a model of inclusion, equality and sanctuary for all. May we become the ones we have been waiting for. Together, may we strive to create justice and peace. With the lighting of our Advent candles, with words from Megan Visser, we welcome all those who have gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to those who have gathered here in person at Essex Church. Welcome also to all those who are joining from far and wide via Zoom. Particular welcome to the contingent from Edinburgh Unitarians who are joining us today. Whether it's your first time with us today, if you're a regular lurker or a long-standing member here, we're glad to have you all with us. This gathered community has long drawn people from far and wide. If we've not previously met, my name is Jane Blackhall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. Whoever you are, however you are, wherever you are, I hope you find something of what you most need this day. Today's service is officially titled Start With Why. The title is borrowed from a best-selling self-help and leadership manual, which is all about becoming an influencer and inspiring people to take action. But more than that, it's about the importance of having a sense of purpose, a why that stirs us into action in the first place and sustains our motivation when the going gets tough. So in this morning's service, we're going to apply that line of thinking to our collective sense of purpose as a church, both as a particular congregation and a larger denomination. What is our why? In truth, I wanted to call this service, Why Are We Here? Uh, but I admit we had a two-part service on that back in 2020, then a five-part summer school on the theme in 2021, uh, which led to a book, which you can see on the table below. Uh, but that's not an accident, actually, and it's not a sign that I've run out of things to preach about. It seems to me that any organisation like ours should ask itself that question on a regular basis. 
at least once a year, we should be asking ourselves, why are we here? What is our purpose? And reflecting on whether our way of being together and our way of doing church really does reflect that underlying why. But before we get into all that, let us take a moment to get settled. We've all arrived here one way or another in this hour set apart from all others in the week. We've chosen to come here this morning to take some time out of the everyday doings of our lives and all the palaver that they might contain. I often say we make this hour sacred with our presence and intention. So let's intentionally set aside any of that palaver we might have come in carrying, let's shake it off and let's take a conscious breath or two. I'm gonna light our chalice flame as I do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. May the light of this chalice be a reminder of the shared values and principles around which we gather, upholding the inherent dignity and worth of every person, cherishing all those diverse creatures and habitats with whom we share this earth, our home, seeking human liberation and flourishing and serving the common good of all. May this little light and all it represents make a home in our hearts where it will ever guide us back to our highest aspirations and help us be responsive, creative, just and loving in this complex and ever-changing world. Time to sing. Our first hymn is in your green books. If you're in the room, it's number 174. A church is a living fellowship. If you're joining via Zoom, the words will be up on your screen to sing along at home you like um, please stand or sit as you prefer as we sing a church is a living fellowship
Let's take those joys and concerns, both spoken and unspoken, into an extended time of prayer now, which is based on some words by Tamara Labak. You might want to adjust your position to get more comfortable. You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze. Put down anything you don't need to be holding. Whatever helps you feel more prayerful, perhaps as a posture that helps work for you, helps you to get in the right state of body and mind for us to pray together and be fully present here and now in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other, and that which is both within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. We turn our full attention to you, the light within and without, as we tune into the depths of this life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. On this day when we ponder our why, let us remember the blessings of purpose that we have received throughout our lives. Times when the fire of our soul burned brightly. Those moments of clarity when our direction fell in line with some greater purpose. When the doors of opportunity were easy to see and easy to open. We ask this day to have that clarity of spirit come into our lives once again, opening the horizons of our hearts and minds to that inner fire which burns within us all. May we be inspired this day to sing out praise of this life in a language beyond the power of speech, in a language of action, so that our little lives might still be a beacon of justice, peace and love. And the world might know hope through our story, our song, our steps taken. We ask this day that our inner fire burn brightly for compassion and courage, creativity and love. For whatever number of days ahead are still ours to claim. May we know a sense of common purpose as one community. And in a few moments of inner quiet now, let us take time to reflect on our own lives. And gently call to mind those moments in this last week that we found hard going times when we felt uneasy or agitated, perhaps disheartened, perhaps when we messed things up. Let us pray inwardly for the comfort, compassion or guidance we may need to face these difficulties.
Let us also call to mind a few moments in this past week, however small they may seem, that brought us uplift, consolation, even moments of joy. And let us quietly give thanks for these everyday blessings. And expanding our circle of concern still wider, let us focus our prayers on those situations that are concerning us in the wider world, whether close to home or far away. Thinking of those who are in pain or distress this day, those who are caught up in conflict and cruelty, oppression and injustice, and those many people who are struggling to make ends meet right now. Let us send loving kindness radiating out in concentric circles to all those whose lives touch ours, that it may be felt wherever it is most needed this day. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love justice and peace. Amen. Let's sing again. Our next hymn is number 192 in the Green Hymn Books. It's a new community and it speaks of the aspirations that we share as a church. Once again, the words will be on your screen for those joining via Zoom and stand or sit as you prefer and sing up if you can, a new community.
Why Do You Come by Victoria Safford? I knew a man once who came to church every Sunday. You may find nothing remarkable in this, but think of it. A man who came every single Sunday, and it was not that he lacked other things to do. I knew him only in the last years of his life, a birthright Unitarian, birthright Unitarian, a retired geologist who, when he was not at church, was a volunteer for Amnesty International, for the local food bank, for the Civil Liberties Union, for the Family Planning Clinic, the AIDS Project, for the UU district we were part of, for nature conservation and a splendid community chorus. Busier than any of us still holding full-time jobs. He was committed, effective, clear about what he could and would and by his own standards should contribute to the causes he cared for, the world and people that he cared for. But what set him apart from all of us was that he came every single Sunday. And because of hearing loss, I think, more than any sense of his own importance, he sat in the front row. Why do you come, John? In all kinds of weather, when you're well and when you're not, when you like the visiting preacher, and when you know you probably won't, why do you come every Sunday? I asked him not long before he died. His answer was straightforward, just like the man himself. I come, he said, because somebody might miss me if I didn't. He said it in a way not arrogant at all, but generously and honestly. He was the kind of person who saw it as his duty and his privilege to welcome newcomers on Sunday morning. Not because he needed more friends himself. The man was 80 years old, with a lifetime of friends and colleagues and acquaintances to spare. He had plenty of friends already, more than he could handle. He did it not because he especially wanted to evangelize the visitors or grow the church. In truth, he loved and missed the tiny congregation he'd joined in 1955, and he felt a little lost with so many new faces, a little sad at all the changes he'd seen down the years. Yet he greeted people as they came and steered them towards the minister or the coffee pot, the Sunday school, the guest book, the standing order forms, the sign-up sheets, because he felt it was the right and only thing to do. 
When people come into your home, you welcome them as if nothing in that moment matters more. He worked hard on Sunday mornings. He got up on Sundays expecting to work hard, to make others feel at home. He came with that in mind. And he was right. After he died, we missed him when he didn't come. And do you know what happened? The Sunday after his funeral, someone new who had never met John and now would never have the chance, walked right in and sat down in his empty place in that front row. A whole family just sat right down, as if they owned the place, as if they had every right to be there, as if we were glad to see them. Two women new to the town and their toddler and their baby. They came hoping there was room, and there was. And John himself would have been delighted. Thanks, Brian. So we're moving into a time of meditation now. And I'm going to invite you with just a few introductory words to reflect on the perennial question, why are we here? These introductory words will take us into a few minutes of shared silence, which will end with the sound of a bell. And then we're going to hear some lovely music from Benji and Sandra. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor, put down anything you don't need to hold. Close your eyes or perhaps look at a candle. And as I always say, the words and the music, they're just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. So as we enter into this time of shared stillness, I invite you to ponder this cluster of questions and feel free to just follow which, whichever prompt most calls to you in the next few minutes. Why are we here? That is, why are we here as a church? What is the purpose of our existence? What difference should we as a small but dedicated congregation, be making to the world? What do you understand our ultimate guiding purpose, our mission even, to be? What do you discern to be the particular calling of this group of people at this moment in history? Why are we here? Let's take those questions into a few moments of shared stillness now.
Religious Community is Not Enough by Tom Shady. If your congregation defines its purpose as being a religious or spiritual community, it is time to think bigger. Religious communities are wonderful for the people who belong to them, but in today's climate, many others are not interested in religious communities that exist just for the sake of existing. They think such groups are self-serving and obsolete. If the main work of a church is just to survive, to uphold the tradition, or to keep alive a beautiful old landmark building, there's not enough reason to join. Being a community is thinking small. Our ultimate goals and purpose cannot simply be about ourselves. Unitarians, like members of every other religion, are trying to change the world by encouraging people to live a, a different way. By word and by deed, Unitarians are trying to change people. It is time for us to acknowledge and proclaim this and to see that building a religious community is but a means to that larger end. Yes, we do think that our liberal religion offers a better way to live. Openness and hospitality are better ways to live than shouting, get off my lawn. Humility is a better way to live than my way or the highway. Gratitude and generosity are better ways to live than I got mine, you're on your own. Compassion is a better way to live than here's a quarter, go call somebody who cares. Honesty and living in truth are better ways to live than propaganda and denial and comforting stories. Self-possession is a better way to live than following the crowd or habit or unconscious compulsion. Awe and reverence are better responses to the world than meh. Our liberal religion has a purpose and it is bigger than we think and certainly bigger than gathering with like-minded people for mutual support, as valuable as that is. I'm not talking about social justice work, although that is important too. Our purpose is bigger than changing some laws or ushering in much needed social reform. Rather, our purpose is to develop people who would care about such issues and feel the strength to act accordingly. What I'm talking about is related to the missional trend in Unitarianism, in which people are committing themselves to living out our values in real, embodied, particular ways in specific communities to love the hell out of the world. But how does a person reach the point where mission becomes their passion? Our purpose is to cultivate people who can feel such passion and live out the mission in acts large and small every day. We must build our Unitarian communities, not just as refuges, but in service to a larger goal, humanizing our culture and transforming the world. Inclusion has traditionally been our goal, but inclusion is about bringing in. We should be thinking about going out and meeting people where they are. 
Let us aim to change the world by creating a humane culture that sustains all people, not just in here, in our congregations, but out there too, reaching those who might never walk through our doors. Let's live our values. Let's turn the world upside down. Thanks, Hannah. So, why are we here? There are various ways in which you might choose to take that question. In the first reading that Brian gave for us earlier, the question was directed at the individual level. Why do you come, John, in the sense of why do you faithfully show up here every week and mucking to help when your life is already full to bursting with other commitments and there are plenty of other fun things you might choose to do instead on a Sunday morning? I wonder how each of us might answer that question. It might also be instructive to cast your mind back and think, well, why did I come here in the first place, whether that was five minutes ago or 50 years ago? Perhaps you first came out of sheer need, out of loneliness and a need for connection, out of a desire to be in a community of shared values, or out of a spiritual hunger, perhaps, one that couldn't be met in other churches where you might have felt excluded. Perhaps you were going through a life crisis of some sort, and it was a slightly random throw of the dice. All of these are whys that I have heard many times from people who have ended up in various Unitarian congregations, and all of them are reasons that I could put my hand up to. Whys that first brought me here, back when I was in my mid-twenties, and joining a Unitarian church was not an obvious life choice. And once you're through the front door, whether that's the physical front door or the door of the Zoom waiting room, there's a follow-up question. Once I was here, why did I keep coming back? The factors that keep you coming back or put you off never to be seen again, these reasons aren't necessarily going to be very noble or profound. Maybe the coffee was terrible, thumbs down, but the cake was excellent, thumbs up. So on balance, you decided to give the church another go and come back next week. Maybe the sermon was only so-so, thumbs down, but you got talking to a few friendly souls after the service and had a deep and meaningful conversation, thumbs up. Maybe the person you met as you came in the door was a bit standoffish, thumbs down. But the experience of having an hour of safe and sacred space in a busy week, maybe that was something that you really needed. It left you feeling comforted, uplifted, thumbs up again. And you realised you could do with that weekly dose of comfort and inspiration in your life. Perhaps once you got into the habit of coming, all these reasons why they just faded into the background. They became unconscious whys. Coming to church is just the thing you do on Sundays now. Or maybe you made friends here and you come to church because that's where you're going to see your friends. Or maybe like John in the story, maybe you realise we'd miss you if you weren't here. And that by showing up and helping out, you help keep the church alive. You help keep the doors real and virtual open in welcome for the next person who comes along, the next one who needs us. It makes me think of a reflection by Reverend Cliff Reed called Being There in which he says, it matters that we come here when we can, not just for what each may gain, 
but for what we each may contribute by our presence and participation. Remind us in our heart of hearts that if we want our church to be there for us, then we must be there for our church. A remind us that if we want its members to be there for us in our time of need, then we must be there for them in theirs. In our strength, may we be strong enough for those who feel their weakness. In our weakness, may we be ready to take the proffered hand, for through it we may receive the strength divine. Wise words from Cliff Reed there. And I think in our heart of hearts, most of us know this to be true. Church community at its best is a network of mutuality, of give and take. We are not consumers. As well as asking why are we here, I think it's important to make, take a moment to think about who's not here and why they're not here. As you can imagine, this is something I think about quite a lot. Let's imagine asking why don't you come to those people who very likely have many of the same needs and desires that first brought us to church, those needs for connection, for community, for spiritual enrichment. But we're here this morning, in person or by Zoom, we're here and they're not. And in most cases, I'm thinking about people who are not involved in any other church or religious organisation either. This is an important thing to check in with ourselves about from time to time, I think, if we're to avoid becoming an inward-looking social club that only really caters for people like us. So I'm thinking about people who would at least be curious about giving church a try. I know many people are suspicious of religious institutions for entirely legitimate reasons, but there are also plenty of people who do consciously yearn for connection, community, and spiritual enrichment, yet their circumstances make it difficult for them to show up on a regular basis. For many people, there are practical obstacles which make it much less likely they will cross the threshold. I've made a list. First, there's geographical isolation. It's not like there's a Unitarian church on every street corner. We're thinly spread across the country and only the most determined are gonna travel very far to check us out. There's also ill health, disability, irregular or unpredictable work, or simply overwork and exhaustion, caring responsibilities, and perhaps a sort of peer pressure. Churchgoers are very much in the minority these days, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a very hostile, anti-religious peer pressure. It can just be that all of your contemporaries are out having brunch on a Sunday morning, or possibly getting over a big night out on Saturday, or taking the kids to the football. And if you want to engage in any kind of normal social life, your Sundays may already be very well accounted for. There are lots of reasons why people might not actually get here on a Sunday morning, even if they'd love it if they did. Now here at Essex Church over the last couple of years, we've begun to address some of these obstacles with our commitment to providing hybrid services and other activities which are accessible in new ways and at other times of the week. But it's important to keep reminding ourselves that there are many people who could benefit from the church, benefit from our spiritual community, and we could very much benefit from their presence too, yet they face these various barriers to joining in. And if we're thinking about who's not here, we also have to acknowledge the flip side of that habit of coming to church that I mentioned earlier on. 
For many of us, it's a very positive thing that church is just the thing we do on Sundays as a default. But it seems for quite a few people, the pandemic has broken that habit. They liked coming to church in person well enough a few years ago, but when we closed our doors, they didn't much like coming to church online. And by the time in-person church resumed, that habit was broken. Not everyone came back. And anecdotally, churches up and down the country are seeing much the same thing. Numbers have dropped in a lot of places. In all the upheaval of the last few years, some have moved away, some have sadly died. Much love ministers have retired or left the profession. Some stalwart volunteers called it a day, and those that came back found that their beloved church was not quite how they left it. A lot has changed. And if our primary reason to come into church in the before times was out of habit, then it's no wonder that for some the habit was well and truly broken under all this strain and upheaval. Habit is a fairly weak reason for why we come to church. If we have a deeper sense of commitment to a common purpose and to shared values, then perhaps it's less likely we'll drift away during times of challenge and change. Now, everything I've talked about so far is very much focused on the individual. Why are you here and why are others not here? But really, this is all just preamble to a more significant question. Why are we here? As in, what's our collective purpose? What is the point of us doing church at all? You could take that on a local level, thinking about one particular congregation, or you could think about the whole shebang of Unitarianism. It's probably an easier question to answer in more traditional, more creedal churches. But for us Unitarians, it's not so obvious. It's something that needs a bit of care and attention to discern. Our second reading, uh, Religious Community is Not Enough by Tom Shady that Hannah just read. This presented his sense of why are we here? And it's an approach that appeals to me, at least as a starting point for exploration. According to Shady, our purpose as a church is to change the world by encouraging people to see differently, think differently, live differently, and little by little, help shift the wider culture to the good. For him, it's not about getting more bums on seats or more Zoom boxes in the gallery. It's not about coming to church for its own sake, but it's about coming to be transformed and to help transform the world. And who knows, if we were to articulate our purpose in that way, maybe we'd get a few more bums on seats. I dangled a free gift in front of the congregation this morning. Here it is, an early Christmas present. Um, it's a little book titled, Why Are We Here? Discerning Our Unitarian Mission in an Upturned World. If you're at the church in person, please pick up a copy to take away. Uh, if you're a congregation member or a regular attender watching online, uh, drop us an email or put something in the chat and uh, let me know your address. I'll pop one in the post. If you're visiting from another congregation or viewing this on YouTube later, I don't think I can stretch the committee's generosity to providing one for all of you. Uh, let me just say it's £5 to buy from Essex Hall, our Unitarian headquarters, or available from all the usual online outlets. This little book contains the text of five short talks from last year's Huplow Summer School. Five different thinkers, each giving their own angle on the theme of this question, why are we here? Full disclosure, I did the first talk. 
Starting in January, we're going to have a once a month online gathering to reflect on these five talks in turn and to share our own perspectives that emerge. The first gathering will be on the 11th of January, that's a Wednesday at seven o'clock, and it will mostly be the second Wednesday of the month, except in March when we've wiggled to uh, avoid a clash with something else. Do join us, anyone's welcome to join us. You don't even have to have read the book, although it's quite a slim volume. All the talks are also available on YouTube and as a podcast. So there are various ways to access the content. So today is just the start of a process, really. We're gonna work over these issues in the months to come. And that's part of the reason I chose the title, Start With Why. Discerning and embracing our collective sense of purpose takes time and care. And we're not going to come to a conclusive answer today with me presenting my opinion in a 14 minute sermon. But it is a hugely important question for us to wrestle with for a whole bunch of reasons. Having a truly shared and collective sense of purpose, one that we all feel ownership of, strengthens our community. It gives us a sense of being part of something bigger and serving a significant cause. And it enables us to be much more thoughtful and intentional about what it is we're doing here than if we just keep doing what we've always done out of a sense of habit or institutional inertia. And it also helps us to stay committed and connected when the going gets tough, as it surely has these last few years. Having a strong sense of our why can help us gain greater clarity about what and how we do as well, possibly also when and where. Sharpening our sense of purpose shapes what we do next and how we do it. We are, let's be honest, a small community, both as a congregation and as a denomination. And we need to make choices, sometimes quite difficult choices, about where we put our limited energy and resources as we go forward. Having a sense of our shared purpose can focus and sharpen our decision making as we ask ourselves, does this or that activity fit our values and serve our mission? And it's worth noting that the precise shape of the vision won't be the same for every congregation. There's not going to be a one size fits all answer to that question, why are we here? Each group has its own particular context, resources, history and quirky collection of humans to work with. And these variables will shape each congregation's self-concept and aspirations, though we're all part of one Unitarian movement, all pulling in broadly the same direction. Some congregations have thrown themselves into social action and campaigning. Others are very big on local community service. We here at Essex Church have never really had a locally based congregation. So perhaps that's why we've been unusually well placed to focus on making our activities accessible online in order to open up our Unitarian message to those who might have been accidentally excluded in the past. You might think of it as each congregation having its own unique charism or calling. Like I said, we're just starting the conversation today and I hope a good number of you will join me uh, in the monthly explorations come January. But to close, I'm just going to share a few words from this little book written by my colleague, Reverend Rory, Reverend Dr. Rory Castle-Jones, who's minister with Gethlionan Chapel in Wales. This is part of his answer to this question, why are we here? And it's one that I can get behind. He writes, why are we here? Well, I think at the risk of sounding a little dramatic, we're here to save the world. We need a church where we can work in unison to prepare to help those hit hardest. We need a church to change the way our entire civilization functions 
as it destroys our world and itself in its relentless pursuit of profit. We need a church which is both sanctuary and prophetic, both a safe haven and a voice of protest. We need a church which can draw on hundreds of years of loving community and radical action to hold aloft God's flame in the face of a world gone mad and offer hope, offer love, and offer a vision of a world fundamentally different from the one in which we live today. Wise words from Rory Castle-Jones. And may it be so for the greater good of all. Amen. Time for one last hymn now. It's a stirring favourite, We'll Build a Land. Uh, the words are on your hymn sheet if you're in the church, and they'll be on screen at home. So again, feel free to stand or sing, sit as you prefer as we sing. We'll build a land.
just a few announcements then. I know we're running a bit long today. I'm making you wait for your cake. Um, thanks to Janine for tech hosting and Hannah for hosting and reading at home. Thanks to Brian for reading. Thanks to Benji and Sandra for playing for us. Uh, for those of you here at church in person, Dave will be making the tea and the biscuits and it's a apple, walnut and toffee drizzle cake today I've made. Thanks to Patricia for greeting. Uh, we always appreciate more hands on deck with the with the greeting and the coffee making. So do uh, we've not got Liz or Marianne with us today, but do let them know if you can help. Uh, there will be a little bit of virtual coffee time with Hannah on Zoom afterwards if you want to stay behind. We've got various small group activities coming up. Coffee morning online, half ten on Wednesday. There's still spaces if you want to sign up for our heart and soul online spiritual gatherings tonight and Friday at seven on the theme of questions. The in-person poetry group is meeting this Wednesday at seven o'clock. Talk to Brian if you want to know more about that and let him know what poems you're going to bring. Uh, the service next Sunday will be led by Sarah Tinker on the theme of building your own Christmas. We might even have our decorations up by then. Details of all those activities and other events are on the back of your order service and in the Friday email. And looking further ahead to Christmas, our main carol service will be on the 18th of December. We'll have a quartet of singers that day. Um, feel free to bring friends who'd like to have a sing-along. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a festival of singing that day because the service will be followed by Margaret's singing class at 12 and Marilisa's Many Voices uh, singing group at half past one. So you could stay all afternoon. There'll also be a traditional candlelit carol service at five o'clock on Christmas Eve. Let me know if you're planning to be there because I've got no idea how many chairs to put out. Uh, and if you want to, Heidi is organising a dinner after the candlelit carol service. So let Heidi know if you want to go and have Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve at the Mall Tavern across the road. Uh, the way. If you have a look in the Friday email, there's a link to the exact menu, I think, so you can check what you'll be getting for your money. Thanks for organising that, Heidi. Yeah, lovely pub. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah, thanks, Heidi. Uh, and one other thing to remember is that there's the West London Green Spirit Group having a solstice gathering on the 21st. Again, I think you sign up with Sarah for that one. And there'll be a New Year's Eve mini retreat online, uh, two to five o'clock on Zoom. So email me if you want to get your name down for that and I'll tell you more. More announcements than I thought I had. Anyway, this congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch, look out for each other and nurture supportive connections. Just some closing words and closing music now. Our time together is finished, but our work is not yet done. Mindful of our highest aspirations, bound by common faith and purpose, and yet beginning with ourselves just as we are. Let us take one more step together in our unending quest for dignity, justice and love. Amen.